Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Tiny Room. Welcome back to the Digital Shomrabyog. I'm the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am joined as once and always by the once and future king of podcasting. It's Benjamin. Hello, hello. It's me. Hi. How are you? Hi. That's yeah. That's exactly how King Arthur reacted when he found out that he was the once and future king. That is exactly how version. he reacted. Exactly. He was like, oh, governor, get, get this fax stone out, fax stone, mate. And then, Michael, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. he ordered a ginormous choir to sing his praises, and it went a little something like this. <gasps> the music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. Yes, good. Benjamin. Yes. Now, riddle me this, why don't you? Okay. Have you seen, Ben, that we talked about last week, or maybe the week before, because time has lost all meaning, Benjamin, but we talked about last week or maybe the week before, Stephen King's The Stand. We did, we did. That's what we talked about, Michael. That is exactly what you and I talked about. Yes, Benjamin, and we had a great debate about um, whether The Stand or It was longer. I think it's I think it's The Stand, isn't it? Isn't the, the Stand, stand is longer. The Stand is 14 pages longer than it, Ben. I checked. <laughs> what a triumph. In the meantime, I checked. So The Stand might be the longest book I've ever read from start to finish. That's pretty good, Michael. That's pretty good. I uh, know most of the words, Ben. I even I know most of the words. You're a man Sister, of words, Michael. Sister Abigail. Mother Abigail? Sister Mother Abigail. Abigail. Yeah. Sister Abigail is from wrestling. Is from the wrestling. Benjamin. Yes. Um... In, in a bit of a mad coincidence, Ben, they've released a trailer for the new TV show, The Stand. Michael, I would love to claim that yeah. I had an entire, you know, plan that we'd coincide and be... I don't. None of that worked out that way. It's just really just, random that that series was ready to epiphanous. drop the week after we did an episode on it. Absolutely epiphanous, Ben. It's quite an interesting trailer, Ben. Would, I, would you like to hear what I found was the most interesting thing I Go. found about Go. the trailer for the, the TV show, The Stand? Go on, you surprised me there. Right, I'm going to do a kind of uh, a verbal vocal recreation of it, Ben, because we can't do it in the medium of uh, of images because this is a podcast. Yes, Michael, that's how it works. So this is what the trailer said to me. Coming soon, a new TV show from the creator of It, Stephen King, starring all of your favourite actors, James Marsden, oh, Whoopi Goldberg, yep. Alexander Skarsgård, Amber and many others. <laughs> That's a pretty saying, spot on impression there, Michael. Pretty see spot what I'm on. I saying, Ben. I was saying they, you, you would be very hard pushed from this trailer to know that Amber Heard was in this. Yeah, she's been uh, fairly fairly yeah, sidelined, yeah. lads. Slightly, Fa- slightly marginalised. Uh, slightly being the overstatement of the. I think <laughs> the she's the in one shot, Ben. There. She's in one shot. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Michael, I'd say. I'd say there's a few projects with Amber Heard in them right now and people are going, oh, fuck. oh no. Why do we have Amber Heard? She's worse than Johnny Depp, allegedly. She's worse than Johnny Depp, which takes R- some doing. Which Remember when we doing. thought Johnny Depp was the worst and we started like not promoting him? Now look, this it is even worse. It's the other one of the Depps. Oh no, it might have been both of them, Ben. We still uh, I think it was a pair of pricks in it, Michael. Who stage. do we know, Ben? Who do we know? How do we know? But look, Ben, I think it looks good. I think Alexander Skarsgård Looks excellent as Matthew McConaughey as Randall Flagg. He's very good, Michael. He's a little bit better than... I, I don't know. He's, he seems very Las Vegas magician, which I suppose is very suitable for... Yeah, because Ben, he, he, that's his character, you see. Yes, he's a Las Vegas magician, you see. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's very good, Michael. Well, we don't know that, do we? Because we haven't wow, seen him but I'm going to give it to Alexander right now, Michael. He's fairly decent. I would reckon he's going to... I feel sorry for James Marsden. James Marsden, he was Cyclops, Ben, if you remember. You're a fan yes, of Cyclops. Yes, the, the most beloved character of the original Brian Singer X-Men franchise. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Most memorable, him. most beloved, definitely not killed off in the first 15 minutes of the third installment of the film. What a great arc. He had a great what arc, a great Ben. Arc. In the third installment uh, of the film. Yeah, definitely a real character doing real the things. Um, I feel sorry arc. for him because if those two clash, and they, they will, uh, Michael, he's going to be acted off the screen. I don't think Alexander Starkard is that great an actor, Ben. I oh, think will you hush plank. now? We'll, we'll wait what, and see. What has he been good in? Well, True Blood, Michael. A bloody sensation. It was a bloody sensation, but that was more about him being a big sexy bastard. That wasn't about his good acting. Wasn't he? He's just was a big it? sexy plank, Ben, was I find. He was a big sexy bastard, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't so he? what I'm saying is, Ben, if you think about some of the real hits of uh, James Morrison, he carried the film Sonic the Hedgehog. He did. He so, did. On his... Yeah. On his 
average shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if carrying an implausible CG character through an entire film is what we need, then I'm sure he'll be fine with Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> See what I've uh, done there? I'm saying he's implausible looking because he's I so I enjoyed the, the aesthetic, Michael. I enjoyed the aesthetic. The, the neon signs throughout the strange liminal space of the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Las Vegas, Ben. It's Las Vegas, Michael. Very good, though. Very good, Yeah, though. yeah, Because you remember it. you were saying a Las Vegas magician. He's a Las Vegas magician, you see, Michael. Yeah, he's a, and a prick. And a prick. Yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me something now. Tell me something I now. Will. You as I a will. wise man, Michael. I'm quite wise, yeah. The the Randall flag in, in the stand, is yeah, that yeah. pre the Dark Tower? Or is this Randall flag kind of manifesting himself as a result of the turmoil in our Earth? I'm confused. I think, I think Randall Flagg is cross-dimensional. Oh, is he? He's an interdimensional yeah, yeah. traveller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. As I said, Ben, no great reader of the Dark Tower series am I. We'll have but to get is, good... Yeah, good friend of the podcast, Shane. He could tell us. But yeah. it is Ran- It is Randy Flagg, though. It's the same Randy Flagg. Okay, it's the same... <laughs> That's like Watch a, your drinks around that bloody... <laughs> Randy Flagg. Keep your hand over your pint. And Randy Flag is around. <laughs> He's an elf. That's the best joke we've ever made on this podcast. I don't think so, Ben. Remember a few weeks ago when you said 10A was uh, the apartment that Christopher <laughs> Nolan lived in? That was one of my favourites, I have to say. Because I didn't get it. And I like jokes that I don't get initially. And then they turn out to be funny. And they give you a little chuckle. It's one of my favourites. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to Stephen King's The Stand. The Stand by Stephen King. Um, it's going to be very good, Michael. Uh, I don't know that for a fact now, Ben. It's going to be 100% uh, the best. The but best. Ben, I've seen TV. TV yeah, is the best. You, I'm the best at TV. Nobody's better than you, me. You've got a little Donald Trump. I you're know, just, yeah. That's you're the just problem. promoting things with no knowledge that they're going to be good or not. Yeah, it's going like, to be fine. It's going to work out. It's going to be the best TV series ever. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. Show. I have my best people on it. I have the best people. The best podcast. What are we doing? Benjamin. Yes. I'll tell you what, though. Go on. Something else looks good. I didn't go on. Tell me more. I'll tell you now, Ben. I don't know if you know this, Ben, but one of my favorite comics is the the Image comic series Invincible. Have we ever talked about it on the podcast? I don't think you've ever mentioned that in the history of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a small independent image comic by small independent image comic writer Robert Kirkman. Yes, Robert and, uh, Kirkman. Yeah, it's about... Imagine if uh, Superman had a son... Yes. And then that son had to learn how to be a superhero from Superman and was going through all the trials and tribulations of being a teenage superhero son. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Imagine that. That'd wouldn't be that be good? And Ben, they've released a trailer for it. Right. And holy holy moly, Ben. Holy manjoli bolies. It looks brilliant. It looks ben. very good, Michael. It's straight from the page. Hopped. Straight it- off the Latinuk. It's hopped straight off the Latnock, Ben, as they say. And Ben, I tell you what, though. Sometimes when it hops straight off the Latnock, you're worried that it's going to be like 60 Spider-Man. Oh, and which you don't want. And going to be moving one limb at a time like South Park. But, uh, oh, it looks, it looks great. It looks absolutely fabulous, Ben. It looks absolutely fabulous. Do you know what I'm most excited about, Michael? Is it that J.K. Simmons is in it? J.K. Simmons is in it as Omni-Man. J.K. Simmons is Omni Man. He's from the Omni Center in Dublin's North Side. Yeah, what a cast, Ben. J.K. Simmons is your favorite and mine, Zazy Beats. Oh, Zazy Beats. Yeah, it's Zazy, but anyway, Zazy Beats. There's there's some serious vo- voice talent in this, Ben, and the animation looks great. I think this is going to be the best animated cartoon adult superhero series of all time. We have the there best I... people working on it, Michael. The best podcast. Yeah. <laughs> for anything, so. This week on Trumpish Declarations, <laughs> our new segment. It's going to be the best podcast, Ben. It's going to be the best cartoon. The people working on it, I've met them personally. I have a great understanding of animation. The best understanding of animation. I've gone to the real school. The real school. It's yeah. going to be, yeah, it's going to be great. So, Benjamin, I am thoroughly, as you would say... Looking forward to it. I, I often look forward to things, Michael. I often yeah, look yeah. forward to things. It's it's something I'm very well known for. Yeah, yeah. Probably the best known for, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benjamin, <laughs> I think we should drop this drum thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people will enjoy it. People are going to enjoy it. Everyone's going to enjoy it. <laughs> Everyone's I going to enjoy it. I've spoken to some good friends. I've asked them. They enjoyed it. If someone says <laughs> they don't enjoy it, they're a liar. <laughs> we have to stop this. What are we doing? Um... <laughs> What's next, Ben? Do you have a list? I've lost I track of, Michael, I've lost track of my thoughts. The Watch. The Watch, ben. Michael. 
<laughs> now, Ben. Yeah. Now, here we go. Yeah. Here we go now. Remember when I said a minute ago that I liked the comic book Invincible? Yes. And it was a it was a comic book series by Robert Kirkman by Image Comics. And it looks like the adaptation of it to screen is straight from the page, Ben, or straight from the Latnock, as they would say in yeah. the old Gaelic. Hopped off the Latnock, Michael, I think yeah. you'll find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> off the Latnock. Uh... <laughs> Oh, no, let's compose ourselves here. Benjamin, sometimes people like when it looks like it hopped straight off something. But I tell you what, though, the watch doesn't look like that at all, does it? No. Not at all. Not at all at all. Ben, <laughs> I've read the watch books. The watch books were my favourite Terry Pratchett books. They are my favourite Terry Pratchett books as well, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the watch. I'm not a big fan of the witches. No, um, no. But I like the I like the watch. I like the post-service ones. Um, I have to say, though... I never imagined Vimes, Sergeant Vimes, as a Northern Ireland Johnny Depp. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? He he is that is that is the most accurate. It's Jack Sparrow if he grew up during yeah. the Troubles. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. What a bizarre choice. Yeah, interesting. It's just such a weird choice in general, Michael. It's very anachronistic. It's very all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little cut in the middle of it where it says, "Meanwhile, in some subdimension." Yeah, and I and don't then, know if they're trying to say that this is a different watch. To which I would say, why are you doing that? It's probably his most beloved series. <laughs> it's bizarre. And then after that, it looks like it's set in the modern day. Yeah, because they have a punk band, Michael. Yeah, what's going on? Well, I mean, like, fair enough, Ben. If you read the if you read the disc the disc world series, go on from start to finish. Well done, first of all. Well, I, uh, yeah, well done. It's it's easier to do than Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. But um, it starts off very early medieval sword and sorcery. It does. Kind of world. And it progresses. And it progresses. And it progresses, Ben, too fast chronologically. Yes, far and, too fast, Michael. Yeah, and I mean the modern, the, the la- not the modern books because old Terrell Pratchett is dead now. But the most recent books, the last books are set in almost early modern times. Obviously, a fantasy version of early modern times. Yes, there's a thatched roof. There, there's uh, telegrams. There's, you know, there's it's it's getting into the modern world. So it looks like the watch is set then. Yes, rather well, that's than, fair enough. Yeah, but then it looks even more anachronistic in that they just look like they're in modern rooms. Yeah, there's, I think someone said, and I didn't bother combing through the trailer, but someone said one of them was on a computer at one point and he nearly flipped his shit. He was like, no, no, what? no. Yeah, it's weird. What's going on? The The costuming is quite interesting as well, Michael. Um, the clothes have very modern cuts to them. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going for. I don't know what they're going for. Naturally, Michael, in, in the cesspit that is the internet, and this is quite anti-Terry uh, Pratchett. Oh, go on. People were complaining that Lord uh, Veterinary, vet, Veterinary, yeah, I, I never. Basically, the 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 boss of Ankh Morpork, where this is set, is a woman. They're like, oh yeah. no, she looks like Lady Veterinary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She does. She looks a little bit like uh, Missy from Doctor Who. Yeah, it's it. She does, doesn't she? She's got a real yeah, Missy yeah. about her. She's got that look, all right. Um, probably doesn't bode well, Michael, that uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter removed her name from the project. Yeah, she said, this isn't my The Watch. This isn't my father's The Watch either. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's a shame because I I think a lot of people would probably agree with us, Michael, and say that The Watch is their favourite iteration of Discworld. It's just a very entertaining like, bunch of lads. Some people like The Witches. Yeah, it's, it's some interesting. Some people like uh, Granny Weatherwax. Some people do, Michael. But, some people know. like uh, Death. Death is great, in fairness. Some people like, uh, what else does he do, Ben? He does the postal services with yeah, the yeah, yeah. what's his name, Lick, Lipwig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's here. It's weird. It's uh, it it didn't. It doesn't appeal to me, Ben. Oh. If it didn't have Terry Pratchett's name on it, I wouldn't give it a second look. To be honest, um, I don't Based think I trailer. will be watching it, Michael. Ah, uh, Ben, we'll have to watch at least an episode so we can complain or eat crow. Michael, let's say Michael is holding up a little crow there. I'm going to quickly you, uh, print screen this just so we have it for 
for later on. Just give me a second. Oh, there we go. Got a meat and crow. Got a meat and crow. Does it look like I'm eating the crow or kissing the crow? Oh, no, it looks like you were, well, it looks like you're doing something else to the crow now. No, I'm giving a little kiss. It's very tender. Uh, it's, it's a lot of confusing emotions being raised in me right now. Let's. let's His move name on. is Edgar. Ed, uh, Edgar Allan Crow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, very so very good. Now, Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of comic book to TV screen adaptations that play fast and loose with gender swapping and Look at you. character origins, <gasps> the boys season two. Yeah, I just finessed that, didn't I? Mm. Uh, if I was a lady, Ben, my name would be Vanessa Williams. <laughs> Because I'm always finessing things. <laughs> oh no! What has happened uh, to us today, Michael? What it's is... gone. It's gone. We've lost it. We finally lost the quality. What of the is going on, <laughs> Benjamin? Go on. I've been watching The Boys season two from start to finish on the TV, the the virtual TV channel Amazon Prime. The virtual or you call TV it, channel. Amazon Prime. Yes, yes, that's exactly what okay. people say. What has happened to our podcast, Michael? Benjamin, go on. I have watched The Boys season two from start to finish on Amazon Prime. And I tell you what, Ben, I loved every minute of it. That's because it's very fucking good, Michael. It was absolutely brilliant. Now, Michael, are we doing spoilers here for the for the listeners? We are doing spoilers for the listeners, Ben, and spoilers for the Benjamins who haven't seen the final episode. Ah, well, I, I don't mind the spoilers, Michael. So let's do it for the listeners. Let's have a little lis- right. a listener spoiler break. Okay, you put a little jingle in, Ben. You ready? Yeah. Turn it off now if you don't want to hear the end of Boys Season 2 where Carl Urban will give you a spanking. There yeah, you go. very good. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, Benjamin. Go on. Very, very good. Very, very, very good, good show. Now, Benjamin. Yes. As you know. Yes. I, for one, do not like the comic The Boys. No, it's mean and you changed my yeah. opinion on it too, Michael. When I was but a, a wee lad, Michael, of it's say mean, 15, it's, it's on 14. Yeah. I read it The Boys and I went, oh, yeah. Look at this. Yeah, everyone's getting killed and doing so sex edgy. on each other. Although, isn't the boys, Ben... Oh, no, maybe that's not the boys. It's not the boys where the superhero squad turns out to be pedophiles, is it? Oh, you know, there's a couple of pedophiles in there. Are there a couple of pedophiles? But oh, no, you're thinking of... Astro City? Is that Astro, Astro City? City. Top it's 10? a really cruel version of Astro... There's another one again, offshoot of that. And, yeah, there's a lot of that. Was um, it top ten? Was it top ten where the boy, where the the Justice League equivalent turned out to be a pedophile ring, and the the sidekicks were the victims? Yeah, that's. I think it's actually called sidekicks, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think I the, to, the sidekick group were called sidekicks. It might. I be know top what 10. you're talking about, and I, I haven't got the name right here, but I, I will look it up. But Michael, anyway, we've gone on a tangent bo- there. <laughs> the problem with the comic, the boys, Michael, it's just fucking mean. Yeah, it's very mean and unpleasant. And the TV show, Ben, is gross. And, yeah. Uh, you know, ultra-violent. Yeah. But at the end of the day, most of the people in the TV show are good people. Yes, they're, they're all, they've, they've all got little hearts of gold. Almost everyone in the TV show is in some way redeemable. Almost. Almost. Not everyone. Some of them are literally Nazis. Yeah, so we won't we won't be uh, won't be redeeming them. Hang on, my dog's about to bark, Michael. So you spin your wheels. No, that's fine, Ben. Pe- the the listeners don't mind dog barking. They like it. They they request it every week. Benjamin. So yes, yeah, some of them are literally Nazis. For example, Stormfront, Ben. And the best thing that happened. I'm just gonna spin my wheels while you feck off. All right, I'll just keep going then. The best thing that happens, Ben, in the season is uh do you remember Benjamin in Marvel's The Avengers Endgame when yes. all of the female characters uh, teamed up kind of unnecessarily? Almost, almost for a bit of um, for a bit of a, a bloody shining example with, with little or no purpose. But yeah, 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 yeah. But in this, Ben, they have a great all female moment where all of the female characters team up and kick the shit out of Stormfront. Oh, good. And the good thing is she's also a lady. Oh, so it's fine. Oh, not that it's fine. It's not like... <laughs> I know Thanos is barely a man. He's a big purple monstrosity thing. Yes. Um, it's great that the, the, the three ladies team up and kick the shit out of the evil lady. And it's possibly even better that it's um, like a feminist, an uh, immigrant and a lesbian kicking the shit out of a Nazi. Get on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's probably the best moment of the episode when they do that. It's very good. It's very, uh, it's very good, and it's very rewarding and very interesting. Um, 
It's not perfect though, Ben, because possibly the the American influence of it, where everyone has to be redeemable and everyone does have a good side. Yeah, you, you know that a, a lad from Northern Ireland didn't write this one. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Letting, they're not letting the cynicism lie in this yeah. one. Like by the end of this season, there are too many of the seven on the side of good. No good. You know, and even all of the boys are good. They're all a sound bunch of lads. Even Billy Butcher is No, not good. Billy Butcher. He's good. He's not morally ambiguous. He's a goodie. He's a flat out goodie. No good. Yeah, no you good. see what I'm saying? So it it does lose a little bit of its kick in that sense. One of one of the more interesting things about the comic Michael and one of the only redeeming features of it is that uh, Billy Butcher is an out-and-out, as he would say himself, wanker. No, he's the worst. Yeah, and he dies a horrible, horrible death in the comics as a result of that. Now, Um, he might... He might go that way in the in the TV show if it goes runs a couple more seasons. Well, he but might. It doesn't it doesn't seem like it. There there's no moral ambiguity in this. Really, yeah. there's no grey area. Yeah, and even and it's terrifying to say it. Even Homelander and Black Noir and the real shit shitbirds in it are humanized slightly by at least not being as bad as Stormfront. <laughs> That's the handy thing about Nazis. At least yeah. we're not Nazis. At least they're not Nazis. So uh, there is a great line in it where um, Stormfront is trying to convince Homelander's son that a white genocide is coming. Oh dear! And Home- Homelander just kind of goes, gives it a little wink, and goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And then everything goes starts going a bit wrong anyway. But yeah, it's very good. But it does it does lack. And I I understand the irony of me saying this, having said it's better than the comic because it's less edgy. But it is lacking a tiny bit of moral grey. Just a smidge. Just just a, a little just a tiny smidge. bit. It would be nice if the boys were a little bit more ambiguously in their um, ambiguous in their morals rather than just being flat out. No, nothing other than completely golden good guys. Do you know what we are, lads? We're a great bunch of lads. Grand bunch of lads. The boys are a grand bunch of lads. My other slight niggle with it, Ben, with the show in a ho- as a whole, mm-hmm. is I think Karen Fukuhara is a little bit too glamorous to play the female. The female. <laughs> yeah. She never looks disheveled or... She's, she's always like perfect makeup, perfect hair. It's Karen Fukuhara. Yeah. She's just a and delight. She's a delight and she has a lovely YouTube channel where she, she gets does. her She does. I found the YouTube <laughs> channel this week as well. She has drinks She's... with uh, Emma, what's her name, Moriarty? Is it Erin Moriarty. Erin Moriarty, yeah. thank you. Yeah, they, they, she seems like a lovely person. She's a lovely but person. Generally, the, the female in the comics was pretty disheveled looking. Yes. Uh, like in big baggy black clothes and Did hair not Did not care combed. for the trappings of modern society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Karen Fukuhara is a bit too glamorous and friendly looking. But other than that, brilliant. Yes, a very good series, yeah, yeah. Michael. I look forward to season a- three. I look forward to finishing season two. Um, it's already been renewed for season four, I believe. Wow, that's a lot of uh, preempting, isn't it? I think, Ben. But it has, uh, ben, it has Michael. I read a tweet, on. Michael. And you're going to give me your thoughts you on this because that'll okay. be useful podcast fodder. I read yeah. a tweet saying, if you ever wanted... Proof that the Netflix one pump and dump model of content doesn't work. Yeah. Um, then take a look at the success of the boys because it is a thing where weekly releases do seem to build more anticipation, more lasting discourse. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting up every Saturday morning, Ben, having a bowl of cereal and some toast and a cup of tea and watching the boys. Yeah, it's interesting. It- yeah, yeah, it's been it's been very good. I really enjoyed watching it that way, and I'm somewhat sad that I won't have something to look forward to next Saturday. Oh, see, now that's interesting because that model seems to be making return. Michael Lovecraft yeah. Country mm-hmm. went a similar route. Yeah. So I wonder, are people just like, well, we'd like a cultural footprint, please? So if we Fun- could just slow our roll. Funnily enough, Ben, I haven't kept up on Lovecraft Country. Neither have I, nor have I. Mm, interesting, isn't it? Because mm. I would have said Lovecraft County was probably a, a higher quality series. It definitely it didn't is. quite grip me as much as the boys did. I'll, the... I'll, definitely, I'll definitely watch it. I'll definitely catch up on it. But I didn't catch up. I didn't keep up on a week by week basis. Yeah. What services Lovecraft Country on? That might be why. I HBO Max. It. Yeah, I don't have that. 
Is you can't keep up. So I have to fly to America every time I want to watch it. And because we're so COVID conscious, Michael, we won't be doing that. Too COVID conscious here, Ben. Too COVID Benjamin. conscious. I tell you what, though, wasn't the boys in some ways an interesting look at the effect of power, superpowers will have on the military industrial capitalist comp- complex? You smooth little son of a gun. Look oh, at you. look, look at it's you. not my first Schlid one. Schlid in. Like a uh, snake. Yeah, Michael, one of, the, one of the more interesting things for me, Michael. Yes. I, I didn't realise, Michael, sorry, this is apropos of nothing. Yeah. Eric Kripke, Supernatural's Eric Kripke, is the showrunner and producer of... Uh, the boys Amazon Yeah I didn't know that Yeah, That's gas no, that's So a, that's much well better known. Than Supernatural That's a well known fact Yeah yeah Well it's a different market Isn't it But ben. more proof Michael That Eric Kripke Knows how to make A bloody endearing series He can put a show together Alright He can put a show together Canar Eric Yeah I mean I mean I watched uh, I watched a New York Comic Con panel With him and the cast Of uh, the boys Yes Except Anthony Starr And he introduced Aya Cash who plays Stormfront? All right. As everyone's favorite Nazi, Ayakash. <laughs> she nice. did. She did not look best pleased. I wouldn't say she did. I wouldn't say because she in did. real life, Benjamin, she comes from a Jewish background. I don't know if you know. That's pretty tough. <laughs> that's uh, pretty yeah. tough. But that's acting for you, Ben. Um, yeah, she. That's acting. Sometimes that's people acting aren't for you. the exact same as their superpowered character on a televisual show. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, Ben, Karen Fukuhara, YouTube channel, always having a chat. Always having a banter. A bit of yeah, all yeah. aboard the banter bus with Karen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Great young one. Great young one. Very good <laughs> stunt performer as well, Michael. Did you see her? Yeah, Did you see the behind the scenes moves? She'll do a flip for you, all right, yeah. Karen's got some moves. Big fan of Karen, yeah. Benjamin, do you know that she has a soul, a sword that can steal a man's soul? Uh, yeah, but that's only because Joel Kinahan told me while I was on a plane with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never see it. Anyway, what are we talking about? It, Michael. He just <laughs> said it on repeat. It was mental. Uh, <laughs> right, moving on from there. Michael, yes. you mentioned the military-industrial complex, which is pretty interesting yeah. because that's yeah, the yeah, entire thanks. early conceit of season two of The Boys. Uh, home, Homelander, that yeah. son of a gun, yeah. has landed uh, Voight in a bit of hot water. Go on. Because he went and bloody supplied V to some terrorists yeah. outside the United States. And it became a global thing. And naturally, Michael, naturally, the US military force might not have been best equipped to deal with superpowered terrorists. So, mm-hmm. Voight have managed to fandangle their way into the military-industrial complex. Yeah, I think it's Voight. Uh, what did I say? Voight. Voight oh yeah, I keep is, saying uh, Voight. Sorry, it's definitely That's Adrian Voight, Voight from, uh, from Watchmen you're thinking of. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vought is what I meant. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah, Give yeah, me yeah. that crow. Give me that crow. I have to eat, eat that crow. Eat Ed crow. Nom, 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 Give me a little kiss. Yeah, give me a little kiss. There you go. A little kiss for the crow. A little kiss for the... This is mental. Uh, so anyway, it's pretty interesting to see, and it's a bit of a commentary, I suppose, on the United States at the moment, where, you know, private companies vie for contracts for weapons and... Weapons design and equipment, because they're very lucrative contracts, Michael. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And uh, this one is people. They want they want their people in on the ground. To prepare people. One of the more interesting uh, chats is when Gustavo, of Breaking Bad fame, yeah. is having Edgar. a chat with one of the senators. And he's like, well, it's going to be our standard contract for any of our personnel, which will be uh, collateral damage included. And... Uh, <laughs> And the guy says, well, what's what's the average that we're looking at here? Oh, 60% and up. <laughs> it's like, wow. Wow. Officially zero, Ben. Officially zero, naturally. Of course, Ben, that character is played by Jim Beaver. Good Jim friend Beaver. Eric Kripke. Uh, very important character in the uh, Supernatural canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Good Bobby. friend of Eric Kripke. Bobby. Good, good mates. Good mates. Mm-hmm. But, Michael, that got us thinking. Yes. And we said to ourselves, Michael, we said to ourselves, we said, why don't we do politics in... Pop culture, because... All right, let's do it then. What a topic. Uh, so we put it out to the lads, Michael, and we got thinking about different things. But let's let's kick it off with a classic, Michael. All right. From one Northern Irish penned story to another Northern Irish penned story on occasion. Uh, Judge on. Dredd. Yes. Uh, which has some of the most interesting politics I think I've ever seen, Michael. It's a... Uh, uh, I suppose you could call it a far-right wet dream. Only it isn't. It's it a police state, Ben. Huh? It's a police state. It's a police state, Michael, in every sense of the word, um, where Dredd quite often says, I am judge, jury and executioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's because, Michael, crime has gotten so out of control. 
Mm. Um, and it, it kind of enters into that interesting uh, interesting debate from... Um, am I allowed to go super tossery? Yeah, yeah. Do am, I, am I allowed to do that? You do whatever you want. So, Michael, I suppose it's, it's based roughly on the concept of the Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Oh, here we go. Uh, see? <laughs> see? I did ask... I'm just representing the listeners, Ben. I did ask. Oh, here we go. Here I did ask. And the central a- conceit of Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes is, yeah. what does a human being value more, liberty or security? Yeah. And really, what are you mm-hmm. willing to give up for security uh, is the central conceit of Judge Dredd. And apparently, the answer is just about everything. Is it though, Ben? Because... It's it's not you don't and I don't know enough about the creation of the world politics in Judge Dredd, but you certainly don't feel that the man on the street thinks that this is the right way to do things. Yeah, see that's the that's the more interesting thing, Michael. Is it's it is at its core a satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, almost all of these are, aren't they? Almost all of them, but we'll get to that, Michael. We'll get to that. Oh, right. boy, boy, oh boy, does it get messy. Um, in in the case of George Dredd, it really loses the run of itself in terms of the modern era because a lot of American politics does look a little bit like what Dredd predicted. <laughs> Here we is, go. Which is all right, all right, pretty, go no, on. no, 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 settle down, settle now down you, before you, you hang yourself on me. this. Before you lambaste me, right? I will, yeah. There's a famous character in the Judge Dredd series called Zaphod Beetlebrox. Is Zaphod Beetlebrox not from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Oh, yeah, no, it is. Damn it. I've mixed up my notes. (laughs) There's a character. What's his name in the Judge Dredd thing? It's in the the graphic novel America. Judge Anderson? I I can't remember. I'm going to have to look it up. But anyway, there's a character in that and there's a presidential character in Judge Dredd America, which is considered to be one of the best Judge Dredd graphic novels going. Right. And it's a reality TV guy who became president and who stirs up a bunch of bigotry to make sure that people stay on his side. And it's pretty interesting, Michael, that that was predicted all the way back in the late 80s. Mm. I'm going to have to look that up now And I will get his name But as you go uh, We'll get on to Zaphod Beeble I can't say his name We'll get on to Zaphod later But uh, yeah Judge Dredd is interesting I, I think it really enters into that question of The older you get Do you lean into conservatism And try and keep yourself safe No matter the cost um, Or In the world of Judge Dredd With the amount of crime that's in it Is a judge the only Viable option for law enforcement Hmm I don't know. What do you it's, think? It's interesting. Well, for me, Michael, in, yeah. in their world, I, I feel like the judge doesn't see shades of grey. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Well, there's a thing about judges, which uh, I can't remember where I read this, Ben, but the most feared judges by the, the populace, the, the kind of generally law-abiding populace, not you're a complete uh, criminal scum, but you're generally law-abiding uh populace who might bend a rule or two occasionally Ben like they might fly to America every time they need to see an episode of Lovecraft Country maybe Um, they most fear the new judges yeah because they're bloody because they're tolerance they're fanatics they're the letter of the law lunatics yes and some of the older judges develop a bit more of a conscience or a bit more of an ability to make decisions on the spot. And the question with that is, which one is Judge Dredd? Because in our modern world... Yes. The the policeman who can make moral judgments and, you know, try and figure things out is more of a hero. But that's not what we were told about what Judge Dredd should be. Yeah. No, Judge we Dredd is that. the law. Judge Dredd is the law. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he makes he doesn't make decisions, Ben. He just parses the law. Yeah, and it it gets messy. It gets yeah, messy, yeah, yeah. Michael. He's I mean, shooting th- people. Those parodies were everywhere in the late eighties. Robocop was another one. Yes, well, Robocop's a very interesting one, Ben, because that's where I wanted to go next. Because go you, on, it it leads us down the road of Paul Verhoeven and his his mad films. For one, all right, so it's it's about a kind of lawman who only knows the letter of the law. Yeah, dead or alive. Like, 
you're coming with me and um, I'm going to shoot off your mickey I think he says that um, that's definitely one of his seven yeah, action phrases his, when you buy the favorite, toy one of his favourite catchphrases <laughs> I'm going to shoot you in the mickey <laughs> um, what are you saying yeah but so there's that but aside from the fact that it's uh, it, it has an unrelenting letter of the law lawman as its hero yes um, is it the hero though is it the hero he, well he is the hero he's the hero of the film I mean, I have RoboCop action figures. When I was a child... You have an action Robocop, figure of everything. There's a bloody me action everything. figure up behind you. That's a voodoo doll. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, there were RoboCop kids cartoons in the 80s. There were RoboCop cereal. There was Ro- he, RoboCop was presented as the hero. No, but and- it, initially he wasn't. Sure he wasn't. It was supposed to be a satire. And then, because he was a big, cool robot guy, kids were like, oh, that's cool. And I'm sure Paul Verhoeven was like, oh, no. Oh, oh no, you've misunderstood. <laughs> well, that, that leads us to our point, Ben. Thank you very much. Go on. Because for one thing, the world of RoboCop is a very interesting uh, a very interesting projection of a potential future policy wherein law enforcement has been privatised. It has. It's, it's capitalism gone mad. So there are massive super corporations who own everything. And society itself is kind of crumbling. Oh, poor society. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Paul Verhoeven has a bit of a tendency to take these ideas and make parodies of them. And then parody them so well that a lot of people miss the message. That's unfortunate. So what else has Paul Verhoeven done? You're going to have to... He's done 1997 Starship Troopers. Oh, but get the... Get out of town, Michael. Good enemy of the podcast sent that in to me to have a little look at this week. Well, that's what I'm bloody saying, Ben. That's excellent work, Michael. That's excellent work. This is a fascinating one because Paul Verhoeven also made Starship Troopers, Ben. Have you seen the film Starship Troopers? I have bits, not all of it. You haven't seen all of the film Starship Troopers. I don't do what? old films. It's not an old film. <laughs> you absolute <laughs> cunt. <laughs> um, I can't believe I just unironically called you a cook. We might have to get that under control. That's only funny when it's uh, out of context. Um, Benjamin. What was I saying? Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers. It's Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers. 1990-something, Ben. Um, yes. Starring your friend of mine, of- Barney Stinson. Starring your friend and mine, Casper Van Dien, um, is the story of Johnny Rico, Ben. Johnny Rico. And Johnny Rico is from Buenos Aires. And in the future that Johnny Rico lives in, Ben, the only way to become a citizen and to have a vote is to sign up and join the military. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people would prefer a lot of older kind of hippie liberals... Oh, the libs. Yeah, would prefer if their kids didn't sign up and join the military and go off and sacrifice their lives to fight distant wars. But the kids are like, we have to do our civic duty and become citizens. And it's easy for you being citizens already because you were citizens before this system came in. But, you know, joining the military and learning your place as a soldier and learning the... The importance of the military in the world is the only way for us to become citizens. And the bugs just blew up Buenos Aires. The goddamn bugs. Goddamn bugs, which is slightly racist. But look, they're they're aliens, so it's fine. We can call them whenever we want. Yeah, it's grand when they're aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the film Starship Troopers, Ben, all of the the goodies, as it were, Ben, they're dressed like Nazis. Yeah, it reminds me very, very much of that Mitchell and Webb sketch. <laughs> Maybe we're the baddies. Hans, are we the bad guys? Yeah, so in Starship Troopers, humans are the bad guys, Ben. Yeah. In the film Starship Troopers, humans are the bad guys because humans went to Klandatu, the bug home world, and tried to colonise it, Dicks. not caring what the bugs thought about that. Dicks. That's not exactly what happens. I think it was a satellite planet or something. But the thing about Starship Troopers, Ben, the film, is it is very much a parody of the potential for the human political system to turn fascist. On a but, dime. On a dime, Ben. And, you know, the the value of militarism above everything else and how a society can revolve around its military. 
almost a question raised by Thomas Hobbes in Leviathan where he asked, which is more important, liberty or security? Exactly, Ben. That's what I'm saying. You're welcome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the film Starship Troopers, Ben, it's yeah. it's it's such a fun, gung-ho film about young, sexy, attractive soldiers taking on horrible bugs and Michael Ironside's in it and he's got a robot hand. Oh. And there's, it's cool. It's a really cool film. It is cool. And the... The uh, the promotional videos, the the propaganda videos that are throughout it, are fun. Would you like to know more, Ben? They're fun. They're fun and they're funny. And they're jazzy, and, it, and they're jazzy. And you know, the whole time you're laughing, and you're going, <laughs> "Kill those bugs! Let's exterminate the bugs, the assholes!" And the whole time you're having a great time, and you're not really cognizant of the fact that nearly every single one of them is based on a Nazi propaganda film from the thirties. Yeah, they probably should have telegraphed that a little bit more. But no. I don't think he should have because I think Starship, Starship Troopers, the nineteen ninety seven film Starship Troopers, works on both levels supremely well. I'm gonna to have to go watch the whole film now, Michael. God, damn. I can't believe you didn't for this podcast because it's one of the best examples of pro seemingly, if you're an idiot, pro fascist imagery in science fiction. Yeah. Because it's a spectacularly good campy bug fighting alien fighting monster film. I think And that at was... the same time, an incredible satire of a fascistic society. That was one of the big mess ups for I don't know if you remember this, Michael. Do you remember cracked.com? Yes. It's still going, I think, but they did a, a really interesting series for a couple of years where four friends sat in a diner and discussed pop culture topics. I vaguely remember it. I think it was called After Hours. But I remember yeah, yeah. one of the controversial episodes for them was that one of the one of the conceit was that Starship Troopers glorified fascism. And I remember when I was younger reading the comments, the comments were like, you've missed the point of the movie, guys. Oh, guys. Oh, guys. This is terrible. You're my favorite series, but you've missed the point of the movie. Have you read Robert A. Heinlein's book, Ben? Book, Starship Troopers? No, I haven't. I've been recommended it by enemy of the podcast, Shane. Yeah, and usually, Ben, you would read it. It is an interesting one. And, Ben, I'm going to do a little admittance here. Oh, an admittance, eh? I'm doing an admittance. I... Have read Starship Troopers, but I did not reread it for this podcast. How could you not? How big is it, Michael? It's it's not that big. It's it's kind of a novella, I think. Right. It's, I will it's... read it for next week's podcast. Okay. Very good. Um, it is the story of Johnny Rico, Ben. Johnny Rico, and Johnny Rico's in the Mobile Infantry. Cool. Um, and the Mobile Infantry are fighting the bugs. The damn bugs. And. It's very light on plot, Ben, because it's basically the story of Johnny Rico's training. It's a it's a character driven story, Michael. No, it isn't. Oh. It's not it's a character driven story, Michael. No, it's not a character driven story, Ben. It's a philosophy driven a, a large part of the book is taken up by us being in Johnny Rico's political and morality classes. Okay. And he's hearing about Stuff you know the important no the importance of having a strong military and the importance of oh. every member of society. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now oh. here's the question, Ben. When when and I don't know the answer to this, but when that book came out and compared to Paul Verhoeven's 1997 film Starship Troopers, this one seems much more sincere in what it's saying. Oh, right. So the oh. bugs, Ben, the bugs are communists. Dirty, dirty, dirty red bugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the, bug, the bugs are communists and <laughs> Earth is America. Oh. And was Robert Heinlein promoting a fascist America to fight communism? Or was that a satire which was misunderstood in its time? We're going to have to go and read this, Michael, now. Do, 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 Ben. Do, it's good. Right, I'll research that for next week's pod. We'll have a mini discussion before the main topic. And Benjamin, it, it introduced the concept of power armor to science fiction. Is that? Get out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where the origin of Space Marines from Games Workshop, Halo. What? They all, they all came, Iron Man. They all came, well, I don't know if Iron Man did. But they all came originally from uh, the mobile infantry in... in uh, that's pretty interesting, Michael. That's a pretty big contribution to sci-fi. 
yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very good book, Ben. Good for it, them. It's, it's credited as the originator of military science fiction. Get out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games Workshop, start paying some money to the old Heinlein estate there. They won't, but you know. Well, they won't, but Games Workshop, Ben, the world of Games Workshop is based on Heinlein, it's based on Dune, it's based on... H.P. Lovecraft. Not, well, yeah, more recently, yeah, uh, but there's a lot of Dune in it, there's a lot of Heinlein in it. You know, it, it's a mishmash. It's just everything that British teenagers in the 80s thought was cool. And it all went to do a little board game. Yeah, now, yeah, 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 yeah. Michael, you've never mentioned this on the podcast before, but you're a huge fan of Image Comics series Invincible. Have I ever have I ever talked about it? It's you, a it's a great series. It's about um, a teenage boy, and he discovers he has the superpowers of his dad, who's like a kind of Superman type character, but he's from Dublin's North Side. He's from Dublin North Side uh, and yeah. founded the Omni Shopping Centre. Yeah, he's the Omni Man. His battle anyway, cry is North Side, North Side. <laughs> A great big shopping centre. That's his battle now, cry. Now, Ben, I am going to point out that the Northside Shopping Centre and the Omni Centre are two separate shopping centres on Dublin's Northside. I know, side. but he founded all retail outlets on the north side of Dublin. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, great. Where are you going with this? <laughs> uh, Michael, that Glad has some of the most town. interesting space do? politics I think I've ever seen. Go on, go um, on. There's go on. A kind of an imperialistic fascist society. Um, yeah. Based and this is uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read the series that came out in two thousand something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, Mark is a, a member of the Viltrum. Right? You're going to have to fix my Viltrumites. He's a Viltrumite. He's a Viltrumite, and Viltrumites are are mustache sporting supermen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their vibe. Except they seem to be even more powerful than the regular Superman. Because if you if you juke them up and rip them apart a bit, they heal pretty pretty darn good. They heal pretty darn good, yeah. And they heal stronger than before. That's the the kind of thing. It, they literally, biologically, follow the mantra of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're a bit of a space conqueror, a bit of a space Britain. A little bit. Uh, with with a little bit more of a, a salty earth, scorch kind of vibe. So they infiltrate planets. Yeah. And they set themselves up as heroes. They kind of do their reconnaissance. And then they're like, cool, let's take this planet into the fold. And they do that. But if you don't get on board, Michael, ugh. Yeah, they're gross. Ugh. Uh, and then, Michael, to combat that, that scourge of Viltrumites, you had the Coalition of Planets. Mm. And that, Michael, nice. yeah. over the arc of the Invincible storyline, fucking fantastic. Because the Coalition of Planets is a weird utopian society. There's a moment in it where some of the superheroes from Earth, the family, the Grayson family, move to Telescar... I'm not going to get that right. Telescaria or something like that. I can never pronounce it. Yeah, I can't remember. I hate stuff like that. Anyway, it's the, the central planet, the hub planet of the Coalition of Planets. And yeah. a crime takes place and the superhero goes to take care of it. And then the police officers shut it down in seconds. Good. In a non-violent, detainable way. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't need superheroes because we're a goddamn utopia and it takes care of itself, pretty much. And yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's pretty interesting, Michael. But over time, the fascinating thing that happens there and the central premise is the coalition of planets gets a bit extreme in its combating of the Viltrumites. Yeah. And the coalition of planets begins to look an awful lot like a bunch of athletic, mustache-sporting sons of guns. Oh, Ben. So what and you're saying so, is... Uh... You become that which you hate. Yeah, it ends up being a, quite an interesting treatise on maintaining power and the corruption that lies within that. And Michael, mm. yes, the reason I bring that up is it's been quite heavily inspired by Ian M. Banks' Culture series. Oh, never heard of it. Yeah, I haven't read it, Michael, but this was sent in by good pal of the pod, Dr. Cadwell. Yeah. Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell. And yes. he gave me a shout and said, look, you're not going to be able to read any of these in time for the podcast. And oh, he, he was right. How wrong he was. How wrong he was. <laughs> I read, oh, you mean read the books? I, yes, read the books. You read and the text. The, the Culture series is quite a few different novels, Michael. The first one coming out in 1987. And the so last long ago. one coming out in 2016. I want to say 16. No, okay. Quite recent. Uh, by a Scottish author. And Ian M. Banks. And it features around the concept. The culture is a collective. Similar to the Coalition of Planets from Invincible, Michael. Right. But they are what they call a hyperpower. Oh. And a hyperpower within a political system is a ruling uh, country or state that has absolute dominion over its 
uh, conquered states, it's coalesced states, whatever you want to call is that, it. Is that not called a hegemony? 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 I think it's hegemony, but hyperpower is the layman way of putting it. <laughs> and I figured okay. I'd go with that. So, All right, go on then. This one is a super advanced hyperpower. Um, AI runs throughout the city. It's almost perfect. Oh, almost. Almost. The central conflict of it is, Michael, it's an ever-expanding perfect empire. And that doesn't sound right, because utopias shouldn't want to expand. But basically, throughout this series of um, novels, the the central conceit is kind of, what do you do with a civilization that doesn't want to accept your better civilization? Uh Uh-oh. How do you deal with that? Uh, and that's the them. central conceit throughout the culture series by Ian M. Banks. And it's pretty interesting because if you know, Michael, if yes. you know that you're better in every way. Yeah. Right. Let's say you come across yeah. a, a, a bunch of caveman, Michael, that have been left outside. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you propose, well, why don't we get you some vaccinations? Why don't we put you in a nice home? Why don't right, we give right. you some security and safety yeah, yeah. and an abundance of food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the the caveman goes no yeah no we don't want Rhodesia to be part of the British Empire anymore and you say but but lads but lads Singapore is much better as part of the British Empire (laughs) (laughs) see what we've both done there Ben (laughs) and then they say you listen here Paddy our way is better (laughs) and then you say well hang on now that might not be true yeah 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 (laughs) I see what you've done, yeah. And you have two choices there, Michael. You can either starve the entire population and export all their goods <laughs> to your armies abroad. <laughs> yeah, go on. Or yeah. you can live and let live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what that is kind of the, the series, central conceit of Ian M. Banks' uh, yeah. culture series. And it's very worth a read. I will be reading them over the next couple of weeks um, for, for this idea. We might revisit this concept, Michael, because they right. look absolutely fascinating. Do nice mean, covers. Do they have any sexy ladies like Deja Torres on the cover? Uh, they probably do, yeah. They probably oh, do. I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Benjamin, one of my favourite utopias in science fiction is Space Europe. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Space Europe? No, I missed it. Otherwise known, Ben, as the, the United Federation of Planets from Star Trek. Ah, oh, look what you did. Space I did. Europe. You see what I did? It's space. It's just Space Europe, Ben. Go so, on. So, um, um, yeah, so the United Federation of Planets, Ben. It's... I, and funnily enough, I don't think... This was an on-purpose parallel. This isn't a parody situation. Because originally in the 60s, Ben, there wasn't really a Europe for them to base the Federation on. So the Federation was based more on NATO, I think. Oh. So it was kind of a group, an alliance of planets who joined together against the less nice planets. The not-so-good planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all cling on. You don't want to be associated with them. So you team up with some other lads and you kind of have a pact. But you're not particularly centrally governed. Yeah, it's like but Europe then, and America now. I get it. I get it. But, but now, these days, in modern Star Trek, uh, and actually, let's avoid super modern Star Trek, where the most interesting thing that the writers seem to think about the Federation is when it's not doing its job properly. Oh, as opposed to when it was the, like the the federation of the next generation era Ben let's talk about that they they're the good generation for you they are no no i like the next generation i think deep space 9 is a better series and i even enjoyed parts of discovery but Look just talking about the political system of the federation more suitable to this topic the yeah the federation as space europe okay. was really how it was in the next generation era okay so it's planets ben yes and they're all in a kind of alliance and oh. they all it, it's kind of a republic sort of thing where they all send off their representatives from their planet to somewhere central in star trek it's earth yes on earth it's brussels oh brussels you know well no it's not brussels it's it's san francisco i think yeah san francisco and paris i think doesn't matter um go on and you know there are ben if you wanted your country let's say you were a country let's call you turkey yes and you wanted to join Europe. Yeah. Then you'd go through an application process to join Europe. And there would be needs and standards that had to be met before you could be a card-carrying member of our union. Of Europe. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's pretty much how the Federation works. 
So if, you, if your planet, if your little backwards planet, Colopy 2, wants to join <laughs> Europe, you go, hello, we want to join the United Federation of Planets, please. They would send a representative, probably Picard, if it was one of the main characters. And he would go and he would be like, ah, lads, now, these aren't racist, are yous? You and better be not like, be. No, we're not racist. We promise we're not racists. Oh, but wait, what's that? Like, is that a subclass that you have in camps? A, do you have a subclass over here? And they go, no, no, go, oh God, no, they're not a subclass. Um, no, we're not racists over here on this planet. And then they go, oh, well, if you're not racists, then you can probably, we might let you in. Just another couple of questions, though, about the whole racism thing. Are you sure you're not racists? Because I'll be honest, lads, if you are, it's a no-go. <laughs> It's a strict no-go if you're racist, except one or two cases from the early days where we kind of missed it because we didn't notice that they were racist. We regret that now. We've let them in. It's too late to do anything about it, but we won't be letting any new racists in. We've got enough in our old racists and enough yeah. enough. Now, tell me another thing now. Is your whole planet, do you have a single planetary governance? Because then you can come in. But if these are all different countries, we won't be having you. Have you got also, factions? Are there factions? You don't have factions? Is there, are any of the factions racists? Pad de factions, we, lads. Pad de factions. We won't be having any racists. But yeah, so the United Federation planet, Ben, is basically a super technologically advanced Europe. And the most interesting thing about it politically is that it's... It's probably the closest to, like, a nice place to live in all of science fiction. Because they are post-need. Post-scarcity, Michael. Yeah, is the term. You is should it, read Ian M. Banks' uh, seminal culture novels. Probably, is it about semen? You'd probably, yes, it's all about semen, Michael, which is your favourite topic uh, outside of pop gross. culture. It is, yeah, I'm always talking about jizz. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everywhere. Oh. Anyway, I'll stop talking about the Federation of Planets now. Michael, that sounds like a, a bunch of elites in space, though. Sounds very elite. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, in. It's such a concept, it's such a high concept there are certain avenues of storytelling it closes off. And sometimes the, the the writers want to explore those stories. So in the case of the original series up to Deep Space Nine, what they would do was, um, let's say, visit a mirror universe. Right. Where rather than being a kind of democratic Europe-like union, the Federation is a fascist dictatorship. Okay. Or... Or they might have, you know, malcontented factions working within the Federation trying to work to their own gain. Dirty malcontents. Or even, or even a slightly shadowy part of the of the Union who are working as a kind of off-the-books, you know, not everything is flowers and roses and sometimes we have to do mean things. Oh, we but have to get our hands to, dirty. Exactly. But then we got to Picard, Ben, and it turned out that, you know... It's not Europe anymore. It's 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 a not great oh. political system, and there are people living in depravity who can't afford things, and there are starship captains who are selling their services for go. And you know it it it's politically at least Picard doesn't make sense in the Mercury world of Star waters. Trek. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, Michael. Michael, this is a great episode. Oh, I hope so. Ooh. It was a bit rambly at the start, Ben. Yeah, I think we pulled it back, though. I think we pulled it back. Okay, good. good we probably good, didn't. Good. Only time will tell. No, no. Only time will tell, and the listeners. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you to everybody who contributed to this week's Bloody Pod. Uh, Mr. Connor Dunn gave us some recommendations. Good friend of the podcast, Connor Dunn. Dr. Stephen J. Yeah. Cadwell gave us a shout as well. Thank you very much, Stephen J. Cadwell. Yeah. And uh, good yeah. friend of the pod, Shane keeps making me trying to read books. God damn it, Shane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even old ones from before you were born. From before I was born. Ew. Um, so Don't forget Edgar the Crow, Ben. Edgar Allan Crow would like to say goodbye to you, ladies and gentlemen. And he would like to remind you that if you had any topics that you didn't hear covered in this one, get in touch with us in a number of different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomerbjog.com. Means tiny room in Irish. Does indeed. You can find us on the gram at shomerbjog. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G It kind of means tiny room It kind of means tiny room And uh, you can also Get in touch yeah. by leaving us a lovely review On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Wherever you're listening to your podcasts Go yep. on Give Five stars out of five, definitely not fascists Five stars out of five, definitely not fascists Except for that Ben fella who might be a fascist Oh good Yeah, That's a good um, comment to leave So, look 
That's it for this week, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Join us yeah. next week where our very own Michael Leonard will be discussing a wonderful little pitch he has for Squadron Supreme. Isn't that next week? That's next week. Oh, I better get working on that According then. to the calendar. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's what we're doing next week, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think of Squadron Supreme? Get in touch with us in the places we just mentioned and let us know. That's it yeah, for yeah, us. Yeah, ben will, ben will even do a little Who Even Is Squadron Supreme. I think we might have done that before, but anyway, you'll do it again. We'll be doing it again. All right, that's it. Bye-bye. Ben, did you do collecting issues on Wednesday? Oh, yeah, sorry. There will be, if you haven't had enough of Michael and myself and our sultry, sultry, smooth, sexy voices, uh, you can find more of us this very Wednesday where we'll be discussing the wonderful Boom Studio series, Something is Killing the Children. It's spooky for October. Go give it a listen. Spookoween. Bye-bye. The only thing more frightening is fascism.